it was a very vivid story of a man, an obnoxious, wealthy bully, who finds himself trapped in a potentially life-threatening situation. Now, the fact is, he's alone for most of this story, and that's where the drama lies. And the solitariness of it, that it was not a, a story which resolved itself as because of relationships and situations with others, but it resolved itself in isolation. I was fascinated by that. Human beings have a, a potential for changing some part of their lives, that we need not be stuck, um, but we can transform. Spocklighters and welcome to the second annual Spotlight Christmas special. Uh, I'm Liam Dempsey and I'm joined by my regular host Paul Wilson. Hello. And Matt Roberts. Merry Christmas, one and all. Oh yeah, Merry Christmas. I should say. <laughs> Paul Wilson. Ah, oh, humbug. Get at it. Home for Christmas with Spotlight. It's yeah. great to literally have you here in my home. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Very literally recording in your home. And this is a special episode, as I say, our second Christmas episode last year we covered Patrick Stewart's version of A Christmas Carol. Yes, we were a little slow off the ground getting our Christmas special game going, weren't we? Because this is technically our fourth Christmas as Spotlight. It is, but yeah, our second <laughs> In our defence, as we've discussed, there are no real Christmas well, this, Star Trek things. This is the thing. I think when we started back in 2016, very early doors, so we literally just started with the yep. films, and we didn't know what Spotlight would become then. Then in yeah, it's pretty audacious, isn't it? Like for our third exactly. episode, it's exactly. Christmas. It's time for a Christmas special. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In 2017, we were preoccupied with interviewing one Mr. Richard Donner. Uh, so and listen, <laughs> you mean Don the Don Donner? Yeah, yes. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was in December 2017. Yeah. So I think that kind of probably took over uh, our lives a little bit. And so 2018, we finally said, right, the, the dream is here. <laughs> Spotlight the Christmas special. And as Matt says, there's a sack of coal ever since. <laughs> yeah, there are no Star Trek Christmas specials, which is insane to me still now. That I think after all these years, what, like seven live action series? Yeah, and well, then there's like, you know, network mandated religious mm-hmm. like uh, acknowledgement yeah. in the show, in the original series, isn't there? It's a Christmas party alluded to. Yes, um, there are Christmas references in the show, but no official Christmas special. Last year, when we did our Christmas special, we did a rundown of all the Christmas mentions. Yeah in um, Star Trek over Probably the years. Probably just have to find the snowiest episodes of Star Trek. And, you know, you, there's that one in Enterprise with the Borg. That's, like, the thing, isn't it? Um, on an Antarctic s- station. Oh, is that an Enterprise one? That's an Enterprise one. You watched it for... Um, yeah, I don't think there's any snow. But it's, it's set in snow. Oh, yeah. You know, actually, you're right. There's a lot of Arctic station. It's like ice in the X-Files, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah it's yes, the yes. of ice. 
You're right, you're right. Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, I do remember that. There's nothing Christmassy about it. No, but... okay, but, you know, <laughs> we're taking little bits we can from this. There's also the episode where the uh, Voyager crashes in the future into an ice. It's encased in ice, isn't it, in a planet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That one? That's pretty cold. Pretty, pretty winter episode. <laughs> so, uh, I like how episodes. we went from last Christmas special actually referencing the episodes that have got real Christmas mentions to now just any episode that's got snow or ice. <laughs> oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since we've no place to go, make it so. Make it so. Make it so. In this episode, we are going after Christmas Eve. So this is Patrick Stewart for the second year running is our link to Christmas. He is, he is. And this is a proper spotlight at the movies because whereas... Yeah, spotlight at the TV movies. <laughs> well, no, theatrically, well, this theatrically released. Are we talking like an Irishman, like, <laughs> throw us a fucking bone here, my like, red, red carpet premiere. Red carpet premiere. We've seen photos. It's easy to find red carpet. Like, um, this, <laughs> was, this was released properly theatrically in the States, had made a box office haul. Of ninety-one thousand dollars. Rupees. Yeah. Uh, sack full of dogs. And because uh, last Christmas we covered, as I said, the Christmas Cow, which was a TV movie version of Charles Dickens' ah, classic. Yes, right. Um, starring Peace Stew in the lead as Scrooge. Uh, of course, he popularised the role on stage as well. Um, but this time it is him starring front and centre in Christmas Eve, uh, the 2015 Christmas classic, according to Esquire magazine. <laughs> and uh, yeah, front and centre, if there's a way that it's the exact opposite of that, almost. <laughs> Literally rushed in at the zenith hour and has a few scenes. Well, but, I mean, the poster, the film poster, yeah. he is. Oh, they're selling it on it. And centre. Peace Chew is their big star. He is their jewel in their Christmas crown. I always knew I would die in an elevator. Ah! Hello? Anybody? Ah! I'm a pregnant woman. I will find you, fire you, and then make sure that you are fired from your next three jobs after that. Hello? Hello? Are you all right in there? We may just be the last man and woman on Earth. Why don't you help me get us both out of here? Ex-employees shall not infringe upon the workspace of company. I need you to pray for me. Dear God, if you're there... He's there. Dad's gonna kill me when he finds out I was fired. Laid off. Stop! Back off! Get me out of here! There's no such thing as a question without an answer. You might not know it now, but it's out there, waiting to be found. And when you find it, there's no feeling like it in the world. Merry Christmas. Decided to uh, cover this because, as I say, there are no um, Star Trek Christmas specials. So, Star Trek, CBS, Paramount, you've brought us to this. Look at the depths we have to sink <laughs> just to bring you Christmas content. Thank God for Patrick Stewart. Uh, you can find this if you want to watch along on Amazon Prime. 
free to stream. Uh, it was on Netflix last year, uh, but they took it off. They were like, even Netflix wouldn't have it darkening their doors. They said Amazon Prime Video, you can have it. So it's really good by the sounds of it, isn't it? Like, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah well, we'll get to scores later. Oh, I mean, on. yeah, the amount of like you know, Christmas crap that Netflix does. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes this was 2015 <laughs> written and directed by Mitch Davis uh, now if you've looked into yeah. his background you will see that all of the films he's written and directed are what is known as faith based films uh, now I don't faith know on like somebody I'm related to in the industry <laughs> I don't know if any of our listeners know about this phenomena um, but there's a thing called God. Yes, <laughs> yeah. There's a thing called religion. <laughs> of recent of recent years, uh, there's been a real popularization in terms of yeah, faith based cinema, where um, there have been over like I mean, I'm sure there was films of its type before, but certainly in the last kind of ten or twenty years, it seems to be a lot oh, yeah. more of they've them always now. been there. Yeah. They've always been there. They just they were mainstream back then. You know, you had your Son of Sandal epics with a little, you know, with the, yes. slant on them and that kind of stuff whereas now these where they are kind of essentially what are clearly reasonably low budget but they've spent what budget they did have on getting a few big stars in to kind of bolster the film where it's like you know kind of tend to be quite saccharine kind of uh, films uh, basically promoting uh, the kind of Christian fan, yeah. essentially. It is an industry unto itself, isn't it? They, they have their target market. They don't really need to worry about anyone else. They'll, they probably budget these things so that they can reach as many people as they need to to start making money. <laughs> Liam's it necking. is to me. I just Liam's say necking the port. That this episode will be fueled by regimental fine room mm. or aged to maturity. Oh. Uh, and Will will be drunk to immaturity. He just, <laughs> just necked the glass of this. Jesus. Produce <laughs> of Portugal. The home of pot. Yeah. Do not know if that's true. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I don't think these films ever try to cross over. They're very much in their ways. They know who they're reaching. They know where it's getting out to. And this is one which I can't imagine it being sold wider than than these type of films go out to but they do get theatrical release in terms of they are sold kind of you know as mainstream films there are films mm. um, like every so I listen to uh, Kermode and Mao's film review every so often a faith based film such as this with usually yeah someone reasonably big star in it comes out and they like, like review it at the cinema and that's at UK cinemas where obviously the US I would say is still a far more highly religious country than ourselves. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you would think these films would get more traction there. Passion of the Mel? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Passion of the Christ, I mean, is, is still one of the, like, biggest box office successes of all time, surely. Yeah. yeah. It was um, the highest rated, uh, highest grossing, I should say, R-rated movie for a long time. Yeah, not anymore. Not now Joker's not coming. Not Joker's but, Deadpool, like, uh, yeah. I think Deadpool beat it. And yeah, then, and then Joker. Yeah. Joker's now. Maybe there should be uh, a HMV Deadpool cover for uh, like Passion of the Christ. <laughs> him on the cross. Only, <laughs> yeah, if they haven't done that, they are missing a trick. Hundred percent. The only one I think would be quite funny if you want to buy. It. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think some recent faith films actually were. I can't remember what they called, but I think it's one or two of one or two of them that have uh, Melissa Joan Hart in. 
So you're saying about kind of various, like vague kind of celebs or actors that appear. She was a witch. <laughs> yeah, she's burn her. I must atone. And I don't know whether Christianity the, explains it all. I don't know whether the uh, streaming game is getting in on this or not because it feels like, you know, Netflix and everything has become the new home for definitely the cheesy Hallmark Christmas movies that you get. So we've had, I think, yes. three years running now, uh, Christmas Prince, the phenomenon. Oh, the Christmas Prince. The, so, whoa, the, is it a different film each year with those Christmas Princes? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's baby Christmas this year. So, wait one sec. I thought this was a... Um, I thought this was based on reality, like they're about... No. Like the real, raw no, family. No, no. I think, I think this was... Yeah, the, it's a made-up... Yeah, oh, this is a Christmas Prince film with Rose McIver. Yeah, the third one's just out now. They've done one a year for the last three years. Oh, well, right. Out. Do you have any names to share? No. no. I've been thinking, I want this baby to have a normal life. Our child will be heir to the kingdom. Still, I went to public school, and I was riding the subway by myself when I was 10. We'll find a new definition of normal together. But no subway riding. Well, luckily for you, Aldovia doesn't have a subway. <laughs> Tonight, your majesties will sign the truce between Aldovia and Penglia. I'll be the first queen to sign it. Penguins are quite traditional. We, the queens, could bring the treaty up to date. You wish to modernize our 600-year-old tradition? History isn't made by those who follow rules. May I also offer our service? I have seen the artifact. It's a bit tacky. It's a priceless work of art. It is my honor to preside over the sacred truce. Let the signing begin. Perhaps now it can be replaced with something more palatable. Who in this palace had the means, the opportunity, the motive? If the sacred truce is broken, there will be a curse on the firstborn child. If the treaty isn't signed by midnight Christmas Eve, it takes effect. The treaty is missing, and if we don't find it, our baby is cursed. I think the first one was the first real success of a very Hallmark-style Christmas film going straight to Netflix that loads of people watched purely, well not purely, but probably largely to sort of take the piss out of it really. And then, because there's, there's right. some people in my office who just love all these Christmas films that drop on Netflix right. because they're Cr so terrible. Christmas Chronicles is definitely amongst those yeah, as well. well I mean, like, very much in a like The one style. with um, Vanessa Hudgens right now, A Night Before Christmas, where she meets, it's, it's basically Kate Leopold, I think, but Christmas time, and it's like absolutely garbage, but... Is it, I, I think they make, I can I say, is there Fifty Shades of Sleigh? <laughs> Hasn't Vanessa Hudgens <laughs> just got cancelled? Has she? I'm pretty well, she sure she... Came, she appeared in this film. And I'm pretty sure away. she came out and said, oh, I don't give a shit about Woody Allen being a pedo. I'd love to be in his movies. Like, in terms of, like... But that's a shame for Woody. Like, <laughs> getting out, I was like, Vanessa Hudgens, like, yeah. we're the only person who works. It's like, I'm out. I'm actually... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. I'm like, yeah, is, is it got to that point where Woody's like, no one else will work with me? Oh, Vanessa Hudgens, do I go that low? My new film has Vanessa Hudgens playing tributes. <laughs> yeah, Scarlett Johansson will still work with her. <laughs> She'll do anything to offend anyone. Yeah, yeah. So there's this whole glue of kind of Netflix-made Christmas films that are filling this gap. You're a fan? These, I, haven't, I haven't watched any. I mean, the Christmas, Christmas Chronicles idea, but that's that wasn't really one of those. context, Liam. Did you see Christmas Chronicles? <laughs> I did, and it was not very good. It's it was fucking trash, isn't it? Yeah. Fucking trash, isn't it? Trash, trash. <laughs> I'd say it's like, it was definitely, in the same way Storks like, has this like horrible nod to the here and now with like, um, it's, 
you know, wisecracking pigeon I keep referring to. Do you love storks? I'm more imagining. No, I didn't love it. I just said we were basically in the right place at the right time. <laughs> for a stork movie. Yeah, we were for a stork movie, but there was like a hmm. silly pigeon, which kind of ruined the whole thing. It's just like, you know, I don't watch them objectively and go, if I was a child, would I like this? Mm. But uh, what was my point? But, like, but I'd, even say, I'd even say that Christmas Chronicles isn't one of these hallmarky Christmas films. Maybe it's slightly there, but oh. it feels like that was a Christmas film that Netflix made. Christmas in terms Chronicles, of production, yeah. it is. Kurt Russell, amazing in it. He's no. great. I, I think he's great. I think he's great. I'm gonna, no. He is the saving grace for me. I gave one and a half star saving on that box. So Christian, he, he's, <laughs> what, he's all the one and a half stars yeah. of that film. But he's the best thing, isn't it? Both but the production right. is terrible. Yeah, it's just very dark and drab looking for a Christmas movie and then it just you know, all that bit in the cell block where it goes all Blues Brothers it's just so oh yeah that was the best bit at least got Stevie Van Sant in it Stevie Van Sant but there was the fucking Silvio it was the CGI elves like uh, that were kind of that was the nod to like the hero oh, now it got gosh, very yeah, much the minions awful, kind they? of like yeah, we're yeah. just going to do our mm. despicable Santa but I can highly recommend Klaus oh, Netflix's yes. first yes, animated yes. film looks gorgeous really fun as well like uh, what's their first animated film? Original yeah, first original Netflix, Netflix animated film. Um, I can't remember what company. It's like a small company that's done it, but it's a really interesting mix of it is two D animation, but it has a kind of three D effect, three D sheen, but it's just really beautifully done, really zany like and madcap. Yeah, quite. It's quite Tarzan-y actually, and, and it's, it's Christmassy. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's, it's yeah. kind of like you know Santa Origins kind of thing, but in a really, in a really. Why well, is a really fucking backstory? But no, in a in a really like uh, is it going to start a way. universe? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jason Schwartzman's the main character, and J.K. Simmons is Santa. It's great. Oh, J.K. Simmons is Santa. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Joan Cusack, that. she's in it. It's great. Uh, cool, uh, awesome. So, have any of us seen any faith-based films before this? The Passion of the Christ. <laughs> Passion, oh yeah, I suppose so. I haven't seen it, so have you not? No, no. no it's, just, it's just great to watch a, a jar of acid and some sandpaper. <laughs> I'm no interest. Have you got it? I did have it. In that long since <laughs> oh, exercise. Yeah, exercise the demon. <laughs> Cru- crucified. The no, I, 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 it's, a, it's a very fine looking movie. Like, and I didn't. But I've just got no interest. And it's good and an amazing score. Um, just got no interest in it. What's yes. Main man Jim Caviezel? Like, <laughs> Caviezel ain't making ain't drawing you in. Jim Caviezel. <laughs> Caviezel is the most kind of evil. Caviezel is that actor they tried to make happen so desperately for so long. What is it? Has he been in anything where you go, oh, he's really good? What Caviezel? Yeah, Finn Redline. Yes, Finn Redline. Yeah, that was, that was, I mean, he's I mean, if you look at stuff pre yes. Passion of the Christ, because everything post is when he was trying to blow up, wasn't it? Yeah, he's um, the bad guy in Escape Plan. <laughs> He was in the US remake of The Prisoner, which by all accounts is Yeah, I don't give a shit about that. Yeah. Finn Redline, I rewatched Finn Redline recently, and he's very good. So there you go. Caviezel, all is forgiven. <laughs> uh, but yeah, apart from Passion of Christ, have we seen any faith-based films? No, not intentionally. <laughs> not intentionally. This is your first. So unintentionally, we have watched Christmas Eve. Um, as I said, written and directed by Mitch Davis, produced by Larry King, uh, chat show host extraordinaire. Uh, I was very surprised to find out his involvement. Apparently, according to him, his involvement was minute. Uh, the main reason that Ghosts he... and ghost busting. <laughs> <laughs> the main reason he produced it was because his son, Sean King, um, was intent on seeing it made. So I don't know if Sean is like a little Bible basher or something like uh, but he 
turned around and said, do you Daddy, think, do you think he's based on the, well, the John Hedder's character's based on him and Larry King is Peace Jew? Oh, mate, mate, you this just is all blew just a, my fucking mind. This was all just right. an emotional, cathartic we, we, thing to try and get to talk to us. We, we are going to get back to that because that, you've just blown my fucking mind with that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that was a surprise. Um, I would say it is heavily inspired by New Year's Eve. The 2011 film. Did they also uh, get stuck in lifts? Well, yeah, because he, in this is directed by Gary Marshall, uh, director of Pretty Woman. Unfortunately, he's passed now, but before he died, he directed a trilogy of day films, uh, which became very, very popular. Um, Whacking Day. Office. So he did started <laughs> with Valentine's Day, um, and then um, New Year's Eve, and then Mother's Day. That was the uh, trilogy. That's not a trilogy of day films. That they did. There's an Eve in there. Yeah, well, you, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean. Like, and and it's uh, on him. Tr- trilogy of holiday-based uh, <laughs> films. And that's what he did with the end of his career. I was they really were... hanging off with St. Swibbon's Day. Like... <laughs> <laughs> and they were all very much the same format. They were like an anthology-based mm. uh, thing where it was flitting around. Now, I'm not 100... Um... I've never seen any of these films. Have you seen any of these films? No, I've seen... Um, uh, he's not just... He's not that into you, which is kind of like the same kind of like format. Yeah, there's right. a period I've of... I've seen PSI... No, no, I've seen Paris, I Love You. Mm. There's a period of late noughties anthology rom-coms like this, like you're saying, and, and there's yeah. just lots of... It's the Love Actually formula. Yes. Yeah, no, yes. Really that's quite that's what everyone was trying to replicate, was the Love yeah. Actually Well, Let's um, just throw formula. a bunch of scenarios, a bunch of short films, mash them all together into one cohesive thing. Yes. And yes, base yes. it around a certain day when people are doing certain things. Well, because I was looking <laughs> yeah. at New Year's Eve on, on IMDb, and it, was, it had all the different actors, but it all said segment, kind of elevator segment this. Oh, yes. And I was like, oh, does that mean as in it's actually done? Because I assumed that it would be like this, where it's flitting around. But I was like, is it actually like short films like done together? I don't know, because I haven't seen it. Like, um, wait, if wait, any, which one's this? The New Year's Eve. Oh, yeah. I'm not so sure. I don't know, because I haven't seen it. But I think I think films where they're usually credited that way, so-and-so in... Oh, is it like that? Is no, I mean, I mean, I don't know if it is, but ones oh, that okay. are like that tend to be, you see a whole thing play out before it moves. Like four rooms or something, right, rather than right. if it just jumps back and forth, and you're not in any segment, you're in the film. Yeah, exactly, that's, that's what I'm thinking. So I'm yeah. like, maybe they are done in like short film segments. Mm. I don't know. I need to see. I, I imagine. I, mean, I, I imagine to, when they, when they are. I think it's the Paris I Love You was short film segments where it's yeah. like yeah. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I assumed it was bouncing about and yeah. everyone's like, hey. but basically, yeah. I mean, you, I imagine production wise, they just shoot in blocks. Oh yeah, of course, of course, of course, of course. Of course. Yeah. But in New Year's Eve. Um, there is a segment in an elevator uh, with Ashton Kutcher and Leia Michelle um, from Glee uh, getting caught in an elevator together and having a sort of uh, elevator romance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like... It would be funny if Bruce Willis was in that room too. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and so that was, in, that was in 2000, <laughs> that was in 2011. So I was like, very clearly Mitch Davis saw that and was like, right, okay, well, he hasn't, Gary Marshall hasn't got around to doing Christmas Eve yet, so I'll do that. Nick, his idea about the elevator, but do that, like, six times over. I just got a great movie pitch. Okay, it's called Gimme More. Uh Right. And it's basically, now Bruce Willis will do anything. He's actually going to start in a film of Ashton Kutcher, where, like, Ashton Kutcher moves in on his ex-wife. And it's like, and it basically, it's like, autobiographical. Yeah, it's a bit like, um, you know, who, guess who, but with, like, (laughs) 
But just highly awkward for everyone involved. <laughs> but you know, I don't think Bruce just just sees the chuck of money outside his house. And that's the thing. I think if you give Bruce enough money these days, he he will do it. That's the test. Yeah. See what he'll do. What he will do for money, and keep yeah. pushing it until it ends up that scenario. I mean, I think he'd do soft porn at this point. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, to be totally honest, he'd do eight millimeter two. Where you actually see the soft one. Death in Wish it. too. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's done Death Wish, which I saw the other day. Yeah, when he gets to Death Wish 5, the reckoning or whatever it is. So. <laughs> I think it's called Death Wish 5, like the game of death or something. So. <laughs> face of. No, Face of Death. Right. Angel of Death. I, I am Death Wish. I am your Face of Death. Like, <laughs> dig your coffin now, like Sartana. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, death Wish man. Um, but yeah, I, I did see him in Death Wish the other day, and he was all right. Mm. He was all right in it. Like I mean, it wasn't just like, like he was looked healthy. Like yeah, <laughs> you know, he was all right. Yeah. Because I saw I saw Glass with yeah. uh, Bruce Willis, mm. and Glass didn't look all right. I genuinely thought he'd forgotten how to act. Not in a sense of oh, it's Bruce Willis doing a paycheck. <laughs> was it all film. the times he looked at the camera? <laughs> uh, Bruce Willis doing a paycheck film and he's not yeah. bothered. I mean, as in no, I, I he genuinely seemed like he'd forgotten what acting was I've never seen Split <laughs> but I've seen the end of Split and I just saw the acting in that and the camera oh yeah it was, it was awful, just yeah. so abysmal I was yeah, like yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they've all lost it what have they what's happened here like yeah I mean like that's the thing I think that's the sad thing when you watch Split and Glass McAvoy is like acting everyone else off the screen and he's like the young buck now in terms of that and you're like and I love James McAvoy I think he's, I think he's great I think he's a great young talent but you look at the people he's on screen with. Are you with like, like 40 year old James McAvoy? Oh, whippersnapper. He still looks really young. Um, but yeah, you see the people he's on screen with who are these massive stars, and he's kind of acting rings around them now because they just can't bother. Faded stars. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Right. Like, oh, Sad times. Anyway, Christmas Eve. No, I mean, I'm surprised. We're just trying everything we can do not to look at Christmas Eve. <laughs> yeah, I, All right, shall I, shall I give a quick synopsis? Well, here? Mitch, I'm surprised you'd ask Bruce Willis to be in this because I bet you would have been. Oh, you would have. So this film... Can we call it that? <laughs> uh, it's a motion picture. Film. Un film. Un film. This piece of cinema. Un de bitch. It's Christmas Eve and there's a delivery driver... He's driving through the streets of New York, he crashes into an electrical circuit breaker and kind of knocks out the power for a block. At the same time, I'm various I'm pretty characters... sure there was a white shot of the whole of the city going out, wasn't there? I think it stops after a few buildings. Was it? So okay, it is only thing. In, the, in the middle of all this, there are six different setups of different people stuck in lifts. So you have a bunch of doctors transporting a patient, um, a creepy perv who's stuck in the in in a like apartment block elevator with a woman. That's my favourite like romantic <laughs> segment. What are you talking about? Like, uh, five, that, that's the element that's clearly based yeah, on the actual question. Even with that frigid bitch <laughs> on this side, from the work uh, Five complete strangers who are in a lift together. Uh, Patrick Stewart, good old Patrick Stewart. He's stuck on a like exterior lift on a skyscraper he's building, so he's stuck on the outside. Uh, and Napoleon Dynamite himself stuck on a lift with his boss, who has just fired him. And I think there's one more. What Is am it I missing? Musicians? The musicians. The musicians. About the orchestra. seven orchestras yeah. stuck in a cargo lift. So there's there's your 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 oh, scene. What's up? Um, so we other than that, Neil, there's no story. With <laughs> some very clearly stock footage mm. of of New York. Mm-hmm. I yeah. should stress that all of this film, interiors and exteriors, were shot in Bulgaria. Very good <laughs> tax breaks in Bulgaria. So very clearly stock footage, and we have on the soundtrack the Killers. Uh, now, this is a big thing for you and me, yes, it is. because 
Uh, this is the best thing about the film for me. Uh, <laughs> and they get their money's worth because they play it at the beginning, they play it at the end. At the end, yeah. Now, I believe the only reason they were able to afford the killers on their film was because the killers, uh, Brandon Flowers is a big Mormon, isn't he? So he probably is well into the faith-based cinema. He probably loves that. So he was already Black Friday and they bought Yeah, he said, have it for free, don't worry. Um, so basically, this is one of the Killers' Christmas singles. So in 2006, uh, the Killers began producing an annual Christmas single every single year. They did it for 10 years. And it was all towards a charity called Product Red, uh, which fights against AIDS. And uh, they did a single each year. Now, you and me are big fans of the Killers and also big fans of their Christmas singles. They started with Great Big Sled. Don't Shoot Santa. Uh, which started off a trilogy of music videos starring um, a guy playing a, a, a maniac Santa tracking down Brandon Flowers. Yeah, he, because... He does come back in some of the other songs as well. In so don't, continuity. In Don't Shoot Me Santa, it's that Brandon Flowers is like a murderer, isn't he? He's like a mur- serial killer who's killed a bunch of kids who bullied him at school. And then Santa <laughs> has tracked him down. He's now like, well, I'm going to kill you because you killed these kids. Is there any like, connection to Star Trek? We should be watching these music videos. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah uh, well... I, it's all you need. They, Josh, might, they might mention Probably Star shot Trek. in that same desert that a lot of Star Trek's done in, actually. I swear they might mention Star Trek at some point. I might be imagining this. Um, then they did Better You Than Me, Joseph, that is with, with Elton John Joseph. and Neil Tennant. Yeah. And then, in 2009, they did Happy Birthday, Guadalupe, which is what plays on this soundtrack, which is their sort of Mexican Christmas song. So the, Wow, wow, okay. Uh, which is what opens and closes uh, yeah. this mm-hmm. film. And it is a kind of extended version as they have it play throughout like all the setup, don't they? Yeah. And you hear it like... So they must have been like, you know, involved in like, you know, get providing a longer version for the film then. So. Yeah, exactly. I would have thought, yeah, they would have had to because it isn't the version, the, like it is an extra long well, okay, No, 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 it's, the, it's not as long as the actual song. So when it plays at the beginning of the film, it actually cuts out a bit of the verse to get to, put your feet up, baby. It's, it's Christmas, Christmas time. time. To get to that quicker. And no, 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 not when they're going, no, but when they're going through all the setup it's playing underneath as a bed going like that like so yeah. i think yeah they must have See, been. i do wonder if they were sold on being on them being able to use it as well by being told oh yeah it plays a big part in the plot because the guy who crashes the van and has a whole guadalupe film, yeah he's yeah, trying yeah. to find a guadalupe figure for the whole film so yeah yeah exactly and i didn't even realize i mean this is how out of the religious kind of like uh but I, mean, I didn't realize the Guadalupe was like a thing, an actual religious 
symbol. I, remember, I just assumed it was like you know his Mexican girlfriend in the uh, song. <laughs> all these Christmas, all these kids' Christmas songs. So they yeah they released one a year, and then after about the first five years, they released it as an EP. And after the whole ten, they released it as an album. An album yeah, and it's yeah. like it's like the MCU of the killer songs. It's like this is their Avengers, all, all the Christmas songs together on one disc. Yeah, I mean they're not all. I'd say, there's, I'd say but, there's only two duffers, maybe. But I'd say maybe like three. I'd say at least six out of ten are amazing, and yeah. then there's some other decent I mean, ones. They literally soundtrack like, my Christmas as they yeah. do yours. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure. yeah. Like oh, 100. Like, and I tell you what, you should check out uh, mm. Paul is the music video to their fifth Christmas single, Boots. Not only is it great music video, very emotional story in there, which I won't kind of reveal now, but will make you tear up. I think mm. uh, it's a great song. But it opens with a clip from my favourite film of all time. Dead Man's Shoes. It's one of my favourite films. No, it is one of my favourite films, but my favourite film. Uh, boots, time. come on, I thought there was a connection there. <laughs> Dead Man's Boots. Uh, but my favourite film of all time is It's a Wonderful Life, right, which is yeah, a Christmas yeah. film. I knew that immediately straight away. And, and I still think that is the greatest Christmas film of all time. Yeah, yeah and it opens. On, oh, yeah. yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. The great, to the greatest film of all time, uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Certainly the greatest film, Christmas film. And the opening is the clip where James Stewart is at the bar and he's praying to God. James Stewart, I mean, he's too good for that film. So they sample him. Yeah, yeah, it's got the whole clip. clip. It's got the actual clip. It's like playing on a TV. Like, I'm saying, like, yeah, it's got the whole clip. And, like, it's incredible because, obviously, you know, he's weird. Actually, I mean, the weird thing, It's a Wonderful Life is sort of a faith-based film, isn't it? Yeah. Like, sort of, because that is, God exists in the film. He sends an angel down to help. Like, the guy's going to commit suicide. And it's very much a so pain. So they can make a good one. This is what we're trying yeah. to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is a pain against suicide. So they, It's a Wonderful Life is one of the original faith-based films. Yeah, I think what we are all in favour of is we don't mind like the message and we yeah. don't mind that. We're not like anti this at all. We're just annoyed with when it's rammed down our throats. Yeah. I think the problem with a lot of these faith-based films are they probably do go quite heavy on the propaganda. Yeah. And there's bits of that in here. But to this film's credit, there isn't. it doesn't go that heavy on the uh, faith stuff. Only in kind of one or two of the actual <laughs> story strands does it even become a plot point. I mean, it's it's treaded, you know, it's threaded throughout. Okay, so okay. let's get into this. Look, I'm just, I just want to know: Did Patrick Stewart's family get released? <laughs> so you. let's let's concentrate on Patrick Stewart for a moment because he is the. He big, does have a broken arm at the premiere. He is so the big is. Star Trek connection. Okay, so Patrick Stewart is in this. Now I should say that he was the last person to be cast in this film. Three weeks into production. Okay. Now this plays well, they, in... Clearly, everybody's been sold on the fact that we're going to get Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart's agreed to be in it. It's like, at the end, they're just like, um, we have to kidnap his family. <laughs> well, this is something oh, we're, we're going to get to. Into the sense of, I think it's very, very telling that he was the last person to cast, because I think that's why he's on his own. 
Hmm. I think the fact is, is they didn't know. I think they wanted Pichu and they didn't know if they were going to get him. And so I think they shot all the other like segments and they were waiting to see if they could get him. And they deliberately wrote his segment as him on his own to be like, oh, if we can't get him, we can easily kind of cut that. Because, see if you got this, in the film, one of the, uh, we have Pichu in an elevator that breaks down. Now, he is a very rich businessman, very clearly based on Alan Sugar. Um, like in terms of he looks like him, he's got the stubble, he's got the accent, his background is very much the same as Alan Sugar's and has started from nothing. He talks about like, you know, flat in archway. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, and then gradually, like over time, like he becomes this kind of, you know, big, uh, big you know, he actually turns around and says, you're fired at one point, <laughs> Alan Sugar's mm-hmm. catchphrase. And, um, yeah, in the beginning, we see that he is at the top of this penthouse that's in the uh, middle of being built. And later on, we hear John Hedder's character, Napoleon Dynamite, say, oh, my dad, uh, he's currently having a skyscraper built with, like, a five-floor penthouse on the top. He's, like, a billionaire and stuff like that. And immediately, like, at the end, Matt turned around to me and went, oh, Patrick Stewart is Napoleon Dynamite's dad. Yes. And that, that's, yeah, you that's, got that as well. Right? Yeah, yeah, you got yeah. that as well, yeah. But they never confirm that in the film. They never, they confirm that he is connected mm. to the girl in the elevator in terms of the, that's his girlfriend. We're, oh, okay, that's obviously his girlfriend. And we guess that as well. But they never actually confirm within the film that Patrick Stewart is his dad, even though that is clearly the intent. It must be the intent. So we were waiting for a, for a post credits to do it, and we got a post credits. But it wasn't. But one. it wasn't that. And we'll talk about that later. But the thing yeah. of like there so, wasn't there wasn't ever a confirmation. So I was like, right, okay. So what it was is that was the idea in the script that he was meant to be Napoleon Dynamite's character's dad, and he clearly is if you just read the line. But they never had a chance. They didn't shoot it because he doesn't act with anyone. Because they did, they shot his parts later. Yeah. yeah so yeah. they never like, so they never able to confirm it on screen. So it's like, what the fuck? It ends up being the most ambiguous thing of all time. Yeah. Well, it doesn't have any resolution at all. Exactly. No, like, no, exactly. No, no, no. He's just left in a limo. Watching. Yeah. Well, he's also screaming at cyclists, so he's not changing. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I thought that. He's well, also, at, at the end, you bloody think cyclists. <laughs> <laughs> no, he doesn't say cycle, it says bloody biker. Yeah, he's gone through a kind of Scrooge-like change, but at the end yeah. of the limo, he seems as cunty as he always was. as if Kane said, you fucking rabbit, go get my turkey, you. Because <laughs> I thought, I thought when the biker, like, fellow, he was going to open the window, be like, you boy, what yeah. day is this? Like, yeah, and it was all going to turn around, but obviously yeah, this, not. Is, this is the thing, this is the type of film where you follow six different stories and they're all very separate. And then as the final act ramps up, they start to reveal people are connected, like, oh, that character there's connected to that character there. So once that starts happening, you go, oh, yeah, I see. But the thing is, what was weird is they really only made a modicum of connections. Because in the end, it was the... Uh, it was the, the dying girl and the annoying guy from the lift. Yeah, they, yes. they were connected. It's and the most saddest couple of all time. Like, <laughs> and Napoleon Dynamite was connected to yeah. the girl who's being horribly abused in the, the um, uh, yeah. lift. The, the Beefcake Santa and one of the yeah. musicians were together. But the Beefcake guy, in the, the, there's a guy who's a very mus- muscular guy in a skimpy 
Santa suit. He's got tattoos on his chest. Yeah. Right. And one of them's a mermaid with a speech bubble Same. saying, like, love me, question mark, or something. Right, right, right. And for one quick shot in the orchestra lift, yeah. you see the ba- the big bass player woman, and on her wrist is a tattoo of the same mermaid that says, love me not. But... So that's his way of quite love or Yeah, but the last time we see him, he's fucking off with yeah. the two hips. So there's no, there's no continuity. But So... To, to have and, that's reasons, and that so. same woman is the one who sits down on the bench at the end, I think, with the uh, British guy. The, the, oh, yeah, so maybe it's saying that the the muscle-bound guy gets to go off with the, it's two, not saying anything, the, two, the two hipster babes, yeah. and then all-toyed feet boy like, goes to <laughs> sit with the other one. So, yeah, let's go through like the uh, different segments. Okay, so, yeah. let's, let's start with Rapey Man. Let's start with, okay, let's start with our favourite Rapey Jesus. Man. Yeah, so... Right. There isn't it now. This is clearly the segment that's inspired by Ashton Kutcher and Lane right? Shaw in, <laughs> in New Year's Eve. Now I assume the version of him is New Year's Eve is more charming, but I can't confirm because I haven't seen it. Um, but we have a a girl and a guy. Uh, second left, the guy is a photographer. Oh yes, by the way, this director's got a massive thing about minty breath, hasn't he? Like, yes. oh yes, yeah, that's very true. Um, is a photographer and the girl is the, the first thing he does is offer like a what would usually be in a cigarette case. Uh, it's just like it's just Wrigley strips. <laughs> so this is this, this is got a guy and a poor woman carrying in the corner gets stuck together, like and, literally and, carrying like please don't rape me. And and he basically one of the opening bits of his thing is going on a minute long phone call. Say I'm stuck in a lift. Oh my god, what's happening out there? This that and the other. Fake turns phone out call. not even a phone call, and he lets her know straight away. I just made that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He turns around and says, I know you're not calling the police right now. Well, it's very weird because he turns around and acts immediately as if they're in an apocalypse situation. Yeah. Because just, the, I mean, no, but it's let, let's be careful. The, the lift's just stopped. <laughs> a, a lift has broken down, which is something that is a pretty regular occurrence, yeah. I would say, or at least in movies mm. it is. Uh, I've never, I don't think I've ever been stuck in a lift that's got broken down. Uh, but lift uh, breaks down and they're stuck in there. And he immediately moves to, right, it's the apocalypse. Everyone outside is dead. We're going to have to repopulate the world. It's the only choice. I mean, like, but he's, uh, he's joking at that. But, but in a way that makes it sound like, let's just pretend that's happening because I'm going to start laying on some moves. Yeah. So. If this was the guy from the BT commercial, then it might have a bit more charm to it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's the thing. I wrote, down, actually, I wrote down, like, the way this is written and shot and performed, it's obviously meant to be charming. But it's just insanely great. It's a very male yeah. gaze because there's an awful lot of lingering shots on like shoes and legs uh, in this film. Yeah, like, well, the shooting style just baffled me because, yeah, in this in this sequence and a few others, there's just this kind of like really intense, shaky handheld, which is really weird for these quite tight-in conversation scenes in a lift. And then other parts with the, the lift with the five strangers... Sorry, I really bad sore throat, everyone. Oh. Um, it's really kind of static, whip pan, Wes Anderson style. So they mix up the style shoes. take his name. They like <laughs> I know, well, they bloody wish. And it's like, I don't understand why this is going for such, like, gritty intensity. That, that puts you on edge in this scene. Yeah. yeah, completely. Like, you do straight away, there is a real... Like you say, he's clearly meant to be charming. Mm. But there is a real creep factor to the the way it's shot and the carpet. It feels it's extremely in, dark little lift, isn't it? It, it feels intense. It feels like he is like some weird serial it's killer. It's the like, lift you, if you're a woman, you look at and go, "I'll take the stairs." <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 and with with the hardcore Blink One Eighty Two graffiti on the wall, like it's very. Yeah, shady. I thought that I thought it was really because it seemed like 
quite a nice lift and a nice boom, but then they had some weird artistic graffiti on there. It was very odd. Very last um, minute art decoration. And yes, exactly that. And I mean, he is, he's super rapey, like immediately. I mean, that weird fake phone call is so odd. She's clearly desperately uncomfortable. He starts taking loads of photos of her. Yeah, well, he makes her put on lipstick and that kind of thing. And I think I've seen Well, no, but this is before then, when he first starts taking photos. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, he, he, he starts he, commenting on her coat and he's like, you hide behind your coat. Like, you just take your coat <laughs> off, please. Take it all off, Then baby. you'll be who you're really meant to be. And it's like... But he like, barrels down on her with the camera. And she's literally cowering like, in the corner of the lift. And he's going down like... Like that, he's horrible. I was like, yeah. thought we were about to see Princess Diana or something. Like, yeah, yeah it's just As we learn that, he's a he photogra- photographs dead people in a mortuary. So I mean, like, I mean, and he gives her like, the memory You'll be stick. dead soon. But it's like he gives her the memory stick of all those pictures of her, plus over cadavers. <laughs> like, yeah. So it's, it's a classic kind of charming air quotes charming guy brings shy, doesn't know how beautiful she is, girl out of her shell story. Well, yeah, and as we commented while watching, like, it's the classic case of girl in this film is clearly impossibly gorgeous, but somehow doesn't realise it. And, you know, then this charming creepo has to, like, you know, make her realise. That's a new word you made up, how hot she is. Um, And it's, it's horrible because I think... It makes it more horrible because the writer director clearly thinks that this guy is is charm city. Yeah, and it's just like, yeah, Ugh. it's that whole thing of you know if a, if a girl's wearing headphones on the tube, don't talk to her. It's the movie equivalent of not doing that. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Well, it just ends in the most predictable way, as in they obviously start falling for each other, and she you know makes him realize things about himself and. They agree to kind of meet up. But then right at the end she goes, oh yeah, I have a boyfriend. <laughs> and you yeah, can see the murderous like rage. It's such a weird revelation yeah, at that. A boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> at, at that point. Boyfriend, yeah. Because the way they're acting, I mean, it's unbelievable that she would be charmed by him anyway. So maybe that's our thing. Maybe, she, maybe that's the true relation, that she was just faking it all the way through because mm-hmm. she was like, I'm trapped in the lift this fucking psycho. As soon as they are uh, allowed to be free, she's like, I've got a boyfriend, loser. See you later. Well, he slaps her ass at one point. Shit. Out of nowhere. Like, yeah, it just seems to me like, what the fuck's going on? Like, why is he doing that? Did you notice the bit where he randomly, somehow it cuts, there's a bit where he's doing the photo shoot of her. Yeah. And it cuts, and he's like in the top corner of oh, the yeah, elevator. Oh yeah, he stood on the handrail. Yeah, he's like he looks like a fucking exorcist or something. He's like up there, like head spinning around. Like <laughs> that's really really weird. And then when she um, finally decides to run away and leave him, he like shuts the door of the elevator again. I said, "Oh, I'll just live here now. I'll wait for <laughs> I'll wait for the next poor girl to come along." Um, and then, of course, where he lives so many times as well. It's like, you know, number 12, number 30. <laughs> I will find you. <laughs> we can talk about the post credits here because okay. that's yeah. with him. There is a mid credit sequence where we see <clears throat> a creepy photographer get home, and there is a guy, a kind of like Dutch German guy, waiting for him, dancing about in, the in Christmas regalia, being like, oh, hi. And we were like, what's this meant to denote? That he's gay? Or this is 
his roommate in a completely yeah. unrelated. The, the, What's scene, that about? the scene on its own means nothing. Did you see so you this have scene? to you have to infer that it has to mean something because the film ain't telling you. And so I was like, if this is a weird way of the film's telling us, oh, he's actually gay, so he wasn't threatening at all because he wasn't interested that way. But he even says we should get together again. So. Yeah, that's the thing. He asks her out. Yeah. yeah, and she's like, so I've that scene means nothing. So why is it there? What, is he bisexual? <laughs> but it's just like you know they had the expectation that people be watching halfway through the credits. You boys were, but I, so did you just? Hey, you know, we, were watching, go, we, we, we were, were watching. We were watching. Hope this could be the new MCU. Like we were waiting for the post credits that would reveal Peace to be. Independent Diamond's dad never came, but we got this weird thing. Wait, like, do you wait for post-credit scenes just routinely? Is this what happens in your life? Look, nowadays, like, yeah, we, you, we you, let it roll. You can, ne- yeah. you can never know if you're going to get a sweet post-credit scene. Then Morton says, like, you know, the movie's not over until you've been threatened of civil action. It's <laughs> 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 right. Look, respect the credits, Paul. Like, people worked long and hard on Christmas Eve, mate. Like, uh... <laughs> I think they worked long and ha- hard, but they didn't get paid for it <laughs> Um, but yeah, that that scene is bizarre because I don't know what it means. No, it's... Uh, Mitch Davis, right in. <laughs> uh, so we've done that segment. Okay, so let's do John Heater and his boss. Yes. Okay. Yes. John so Heater. He, and his boss. He's he's a tech guy working at a big energy firm or something. So this is John Heater, most famous for playing Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. Oh, Where has he been playing as Napoleon Dynamite throughout this? Yeah. Let's call him his name. Uh, just Napoleon Dynamite. Napoleon Dynamite, <laughs> yeah. Um, because, you know... I, I'm from Jonathan. Obviously, Napoleon <laughs> Dynamite was a massive indie sensation yeah. uh, when it came out. One of the biggest oh, indie yeah. film sensations. It was a Halls Round the Town, the Land, which didn't have the DVD of this in it. Yeah, That's I mean, true. and there wasn't a cunt wearing a Vote Pedro t-shirt around you any time. No, like, no, no, uh, exactly. You knew who to avoid. It's exactly. Crazy. And you do not have sex with me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like my Star Trek 6 poster. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get married again? <laughs> I took it down. <laughs> Put it back up afterwards. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed Napoleon Dynamite very much when it came out. I must you and me go see it film, the yeah. cinema. And uh, very fun. Um, it's one of those weird films where it almost, I think, the fact that it became such a cult hit was almost to its detriment. In terms of, I do like it. Yeah, but you saw it before it became famous. Yeah, That's but I've fun. I've never wa- I don't think I've watched it. I've got it on DVD, and I don't think I've watched it since I bought like I bought the DVD and watched it when I got the DVD again, and I don't think I've watched it since because it's Time for the so. Reason. It just feels so ubiquitous well, in terms of 2004. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah, you're just like kind of like the world police. That's yeah. Uh, yeah, you just feel it's embedded in your brain, but. John, he, he never really became a big star, did he? I mean, they tried to make him a star for a while. He was in quite a few uh, little things. Blades of Glory, uh, he was in. Yeah, a lot of ensemble comedies. Yeah, but he never really kind of mounted to much else, did he? And now, yeah, as an example of that, he was in Christmas Eve. Uh, so... You explain what's happening in this sequence. So he plays... Yeah, he's a, he's a worker in tech support who gets fired by... By Benny from The Sopranos. Yeah. Uh, so this is Matt Casella, a uh, Max Casella, I should say, uh, who played Benny in The Sopranos, the greatest work of narrative fiction of all time. What? Who was he in? 
So Benny was one of Chris's crew right. um, in The Sopranos. He is the guy who killed Phil, Phil Leotardo in the oh. last ever episode. Okay, ran away with the truck. He, he, well, he shoots him in the back of the head yeah. and then Phil Leotardo falls over and then the chuck rolls back over his head. Um, but he's in it He's in it from like the start of season three mm. or three. He's a good soldier. Good soldier. Um, and uh, his biggest storyline was when he's dating uh, a waitress who works for Artie Bucco yeah. in uh, Vesuvio. And Art Bucco falls in <laughs> love with the waitress, as you know, he's wants to do, and gets in a fight with Benny. <clears throat> and Artie actually wins the fight and beats him up. Yeah. And then Benny is like, show me disrespect. You can kill me after, if you want, but he's a fucking dead man. Calm down, Ben. He right? came to my house, Tony. When my wife was watching TV, my wife, who's carrying my unborn son, I'm gonna take him to that warehouse in Patterson and drive fucking nails, nails into his balls. I know. I heard you the first time. But he's great. He's also in Boardwalk Empire, um, and also in Vinyl. Uh, so he's a big HBO oh, yeah. uh, career. So yeah. brilliant actor, slumming it in this yeah. trash. So he's Napoleon Dynamite's uh, boss. He fires him, lets him go as he's well. Like, he's doing it like you know, right? He's on from school. He's trying to play fantasy football. Yeah, um, and uh, so he's not really paying any attention. Which is, I don't think this ever happens in reality. Like somebody's firing somebody and then doing something else at the same time. I don't. I just can't fathom this has ever happened. It's that screenwriting right. shortcut Please to show how callous they are. Like, yeah. he's, but it just, he's, he's, letting really, he's ruining his life I think while it's just playing fantasy. I think it's a contrivance. I mean, no matter yeah. who you're firing, you do look them in the eye and tell them. I mean, this is where we should mention the terrible green screen mm-hmm. that is yeah. in this film, well, which is evidence. It's the biggest star of this film is the green screen, is in every scene. Like, <laughs> which is evidence behind it's in when he's firing him, you see it in the windows. Yeah. Patrick uh, Stewart. Yeah, like, but Patrick entire... Stewart is the biggest one where he's on the roof. And, I mean, yeah. I think he's probably just like, Patrick, we're going to film you in your bedroom at home. He's going to put these green things around so you don't actually have to leave your bedroom. It's like, oh, I'll well, do it. Then. Just keep blowing in your hands as if it's cold. We'll add yeah. the... I mean, the green screen is horrific. So, so bad. I mean, I I can't actually... Shack of the Clones bad. I can't actually find online what budget this film was made for. Um, Because the thing is... It's rough shits and giggles at 92,000. But but I know I would imagine that it was made... Because the thing is, they actually have quite a collection of like, reasonably big actors in this film because they've got Peace Shoe, they've got Napoleon Dynamite, uh, they've got Benny from The Sopranos, they've mm-hmm. got Cheryl Hines, who, of course, plays a Larry David's wife in Kevin Yeah, Fisa. I would say she's the most recognisable face in this outside of Pat's Jew. Gary Cole, yeah. um, who's a regular in Veep and also is the bad guy in Pineapple Express. Uh, David Bamber, Who's a well-known Shakespearean actor kind of thing? You know, probably mates with Pichu. Mm. Um, so they have actually quite a collection of well-known actors. Also, Alfie Moon's brother from EastEnders, isn't it? Um, you know, so I think they probably spent the money on getting some recognisable mm. actors, and then had no nothing left. <laughs> nothing left to make the movie. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, so these two obviously get stuck together. Of course. And so it all starts off quite contentious, and then as it goes on, the Pony Dynamite has a brilliant idea to revolutionise... Well, he's had it already. It's like, you never got a chance to pitch it, did he? Yeah, so he pitches... The, World the, the energy. Bus, ...the big, like, yeah, yeah. here's how we deliver energy in the future, and they spend the whole film just basically brainstorming... So let's agitator for you Bond fans out there. I <laughs> thought this was fucking mad. 
in terms of when they actually start collaborating and talking about what they're going to do and they go mad mm. brainstorming lift and they're kind of, you know, putting kind of pieces of paper up everywhere. But we have no investment in this. Well, no, you know, no, what they're talking about. Well, that's the thing because they never make it clear what this... It's yeah. all... It's clear... It's an abstract idea. Yeah, it's, it yeah it's an abstract idea. It's clear the writer has no idea about what world energy is or anything like that. So it's not like he can actually present a revolutionary idea for world energy. He just has to tell you that they think in that moment mm. that it is revolutionary. It's and just lots of skirting around the details yeah. dialogue. Like, well, oh, yes, but what if... Oh, yeah, but what if... Oh. <laughs> but the thing is, like, it's the, the, those films where you have, like, the people who have written the greatest novel mm. and then they read a passage from it and it's like, pretty shit. <laughs> and everybody's, like, talking about it, like, the amazing thing. Wonder Boys is one that makes this this mistake. It's like, never read or or hear from that great album, that great book that's fictional. So yeah. fucking true. I, I remember the big issue you and me have with Entourage the movie yeah. is that <laughs> in that, um, uh, what's his name? What's the main character fucking called? Vince. Vinny. Vinny. Vince. Um, he uh, directs a film yeah. in it and <laughs> they show clips of the film and the film looks fucking dog shit. Yeah. And then <laughs> and we thought, we were watching it, right? And we thought, oh, this is going to be really clever. Because at some point, because the thing is, the producers are going, oh, Vinny, you're like, you know, you're going off the rails here. And then Ari watches the film. And we thought it was going to be a really interesting twist that the film is shit. Yeah. And they have to kind of deal with that, which would have been really interesting. But what happens is Ari watches the film, uh, played by uh, Jeremy Piven, uh, now cancelled, um, who watches the film and goes, oh no, it's a masterpiece. It's absolutely brilliant. And turns around and says, it's absolutely fantastic. And it's all fine. And we were like, is it? <laughs> yeah. Because the bit we saw looked terrible. Yeah. And it's... then later on, on the very excellent podcast, the Q&A with Jeff Goldsmith, uh, Doug Ellen, creator of Entourage, mm -hmm. came on as a guest. And um, Jeff Goldsmith, uh, on that podcast kind of question about it's obviously thinking similar thing as we did mm -hmm. like saying oh yeah you know I was surprised kind of almost that it was you know great was there ever a discussion about it being bad and Doug Allen was kind of like no the, the film is a, is amazing like you know it's just that these awful studio execs like didn't get it kind of <laughs> thing like I'm like right well instantly this makes you makes me respect your film less because the film was clearly dog shit and somehow you think it's could somehow be a masterpiece because it's not even a case of the film in it. It doesn't even look like the kind of thing that would be up for awards and considered yeah. a masterpiece. It looks like some weird kind of like sub superhero film, like yeah, the kind of thing that Scorsese would be turning his nose up mm. at right now. Not the kind of thing that would be kind of yeah, up for Academy Awards. So I just yeah, I completely guess exactly what this is the movie. well like uh, you know this also reminds me of like uh, 2011 when ketamine was in in high uh, demand <laughs> it was a, a, a housemate of mine um, with a whole night on this substance um, for me I, I could barely handle it but it's uh, but he I can take it all over yeah it's awful stuff and anyway he, but he was very creative but basically had all these post-it notes around his room he just like had amazing like brainstorming <laughs> I thought I thought it's it was just gibberish I, no, it's just, like, I create this entire website it's all these like coke 
you know, it's a bit like Charlie in It's Always Sunny, <laughs> trying to find, like, you know, the um, the thing, like Pepe Silver. That was what it was like. But it was like, this is what I think this whole thing they do with the energy. It's just like, there was some drugs we didn't see. <laughs> They're both on them. Well, there's lots we, see, we don't see that happens off screen, apparently. So maybe. Well, see, I just thought, because the problem is, again... At the end, when they actually are rescued and they get out, they actually say, "Oh, did we just go a bit bonky boodle? Let Let's check that it was that it was actually legit. That this was actually genius." And they look at it again. They go, "It is genius. We're fine." <laughs> and it would have well, been funny if they went, yeah. "Oh no, this is all right." Exactly. I thought, surely You're still they fine. Would go. We went claustrophobic and completely mad. <laughs> In the mm-hmm. lift, it's actually all total. By the time the cops open the door, there's just like feces on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that would have been an amazing twist. One of the like, Nepo Dynamite killed him, there's just blood everywhere. <laughs> he scrawled his blood, <laughs> dwarfed some risks, all over the lift. And like, you know, I thought that's what it would be, but it was like, oh no, it is genius, and we're going to be millionaires, and we've revolutionised world energy and solved climate change. Well, I do like, how they're trying to make, you know, Nepo Dynamite's character sympathetic. When he's the biggest case of like white male privilege ever. Yes. So it's like, why is he worried about getting fired when his dad's a millionaire? Whether yeah. he's peaceful or not, he is. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's got this gorgeous girlfriend back home. Well, in the, stuck in a lift. Stuck in a lift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, why are you loose. concerned about losing your shitty job? And you've got this idea to revolutionise energy, so you're probably going to be fine, mate, don't worry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, this no is thing. the greatest life well, of all time. I think it's yeah. a bit, this movie really says, it's like, if you're white, middle class, you can just do whatever you want, including <laughs> force your views on somebody who doesn't want them. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe in that case, we should move on to the next segment. Um, which should be The Doctors, the doctors. in the Lift. Yeah, um, starring Gary Cole, um, as I say, a regular in uh, Veep, excellent HBO uh, show from Mando Iannucci. Um, he's definitely one of those guys. He's one of those guys. He, you've seen him in everything. Um, I think the most memorable thing uh, for us is Pineapple yeah. Express, uh, where he's the bad guy. Uh, he's very funny in that. It is on. We're coming at you with everything we got. It's on, so you better get your head out of your ass and be ready for everything. You are fucking dead. He was so dumb. He, so this one, he's kind of like a, a science-based guy, isn't he? And he's got like um, a colleague with him who's very, he's very, you know, believes in God. So they kind of, they kind of have the main theological argument. Or is she just playing devil's advocate, oh, like some kind of bitch? And then there's like, yeah, patient in the coma on a stretch with them. And then these two, like idiot interns, basically. Or, it was like JD from Scrubs time, but so like, like even more idiotic. Yeah. There's a whole sequence where one of them goes. Oh, I can train my brain to not feel pain and then get stabbed in the neck. And then it's like, oh, it really hurts. And it's like, what? what is this? Yeah, I was like, why did the, these guys work? And the other guy just trying not to piss himself. It's like, are you all six? What's going on? <laughs> also, just let him have a piss in the corner. Mm. Like, I thought they... I, they instantly it's a suspect, but Any of those people, they will be disinfected by morning. This is a hospital. Just let them have a lovely little piss in the yeah. corner. Um, yeah, so this entire sequence is about the uh, woman is having a heart transplant. Is that right? She's got a tumour on her heart, but they tumor can't do it. It's too late for them to do it. That God put there. They yeah. God, that yeah. bloody God. So they're going to do a heart transplant. And, and at a certain point, she wakes up and they're having a, a heart to heart. And she says, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, <laughs> she put prior to this, prior to this, had asked for the doctor to pray with her yes and he had he was like he had refused she'd instantly gone into a coma as a result <laughs> not <laughs> her phone for her 
And now, like, they're all stuck in this lift, and the There's other... arguments about intelligent design. Yeah, the female doctor gets into a philosophical debate with him um, about religion and stuff well, like she's that. She's talking about, like, some time back in college where she did shrooms or something like that. It's <laughs> this amazing, like, uh, experience. And after that, so like, that was a god. Like, that ain't god. That's the shrooms talking. Yeah, and... It's you know, quite, it is, like, one of those stories, though. The way she tells yeah. it, it's just like, oh, my God, you know... Trees, you know, I didn't realise they had an aura until <laughs> until God told me. I mean, she she totally sounds like the kind of fucking moron who you meet who turns around to you and went, Oh, I saw a documentary the other day that proved that evolution isn't real. <laughs> like, you know, it just. Yeah, and that's the, your delivery is very good there. Like. That's what she puts it because she turns around and has this big thing about the Big Bang. She she talks about the Big Bang and she's like, oh, sounds crazy, right? Uh, and, she, yeah, exactly. and she says, like, and he says, yeah, 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 but like, you know, um, God isn't real. And she says, are heart transplants real? He's like, yes, of course they are. <laughs> we're, they we're not real. We're, we're performing ago. one in 20 minutes. Like, And she says, like, well, they were imaginary a few decades ago. Therefore, hmm. that means yeah. that God in 20 years will be proved to be real. I was like, right, to make any logistical sense whatsoever. Uh, and he seems convinced by that, though. He tells me, he's like, what? Yeah. So if we wait long enough. That means anything will become a... So it's just literally saying, right, wait long enough, anything will become mm. a reality. This is this sequence is the most preachy on the faith stuff. Yes, this film yeah, it's definitely the most But even to this film's credit, true. it does have someone with opposite viewpoints in the Five Strangers lift who gives a lot of speeches about like, knowledge and how if you learn and know stuff, you can, you know, you can, you can discover everything. You, so right, you can't beat... Like, which, yeah, who are you talking about? Uh, Tim in the lift, the guy who's whose wife is but that doesn't make any sense right okay this is one of my big fucking problems right so girl who is the patient uh, who needs the heart transplant she's got tumour from that right she is the one begging the doctors to pray with her the geezer in another lift that we'll get to with an Einstein (laughs) t-shirt who's preaching the word of science and knowledge he is her partner so I'm there that, for... That's the statement they're like, making. Like, both that, sides can live like, together. But, but that's it. But she's going to lie to him. That's, remember that? She, what? She's not going to tell him. Like, so she doesn't want to... Like, because she knows he won't like deal with it. So. Oh, did she say that? Yeah, she says, I don't know. We're going to keep it from there. It's like, well, we only have to legally tell her. We've done that. So we don't have to tell um, us. Mm. Well, when that guy says about, oh, my wife's having a thingy. Heart tumour mm-hmm. operation. I think he says like, oh, yeah, it's fine. We've got it. We know what to do. But it's hard to tell if he's... In denial of himself. See, I thought when he said we found it was because he was really chill about it. Yeah. He was like, we found it was and we know what to do. I thought he was, he was, what he was alluding to was pray. Yeah. It says, uh, we know what uh, to do. Pray and then she's going to be fine. So that. we don't have to worry about that. He's being lied to and he's going to be like a widower in like <laughs> two, four weeks. <laughs> And didn't even know it. Like, Those praise did not heal her. <laughs> like, um, so yeah, eventually, basically, Gary Cole gets turned around and they all pray, don't they, around the bed? It's kind of it. It's all fun. That that's it. Like and none of these stories have any real resolution or point no. to them. 
as you'll learn. As you say, it is the most preachy episode um, in the story, and I think the one that probably irritated I mean, me most. I, I, I wouldn't yeah. disagree with that, but I'd say at least this one tries to have a point of view on something and tries to get emotional in some way. When the others even try it, it just comes across as fake. Whereas no, this, to its credit, I was like, you know what, I might not agree with everything going on here, but this is at least attempting to do what some sort of drama should do, which is make us feel anything. And whether you do or not, that's beside the point. This one at least. Interesting. Uh, I feel I might disagree with you. Oh, so okay. we'll go on. But we should move on to uh, the lift that contains the two most vacuous hipster girls I've ever seen. And My favourite people in this film. <laughs> <laughs> and the muscly Santa. And Alfie Moon's brother the, from he's, EastEnders. He's an art and teacher. Einstein T-shirt boy. Uh, so this lift, uh, yeah, it's kind of the most, well, it's not the most popular, is it? There's a few other with, uh, the, the orchestra. orchestra, orchestra yeah. Bigger, yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it's, a, it's an odd hodgepodge of people, this one, isn't it? It's a weird lift. I, I can't remember where they're meant to be, but the lift itself has like cinder blocks. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a beautiful lift. Beautiful. Yeah. I wouldn't mind getting stuck in that. <laughs> Big, big picture of some bloke's abs on the wall. Yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah, I, was, I found that very odd in I terms of... it should of... have been his, like... Um... Yeah, he yeah, should yeah, have yeah. gone, like, oh, those are my abs, so... It's like, just, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it should have had a Ricky Gervaisy type of like, oh, oh no, embarrassing. <laughs> Only my abs. Uh... <laughs> so this whole segment's the one that's the most, like, oh, look, look what happens when five complete strangers kind of meet and get trapped together, but without any real destination or point. It's probably the most... Away, yeah, it's maybe. the most meandering. It's the most like the most dialogue of it, but yeah. they don't say anything. Yes, <laughs> yeah, because it kind of hops around, doesn't it? It's probably the most realistic of the five. Yeah, yeah it's it's in the way to... of like film isn't just meant to be reality on screen because it's boring, and this almost just tries to do that. It's trying to do quite a lot of things, isn't it? Because it doesn't, it kind of bounces about quite a lot. Ah, it tries to be Breakfast Club in a lift. Yes, because it's got a lot of different personalities, say goodbye and stuff, characters. Because at first it just very much is the thing yeah, of terrible characters, aren't they? Muscle, muscly guy in lift comes in and he's just in the Santa suit, so he's kind of you know showing off all his uh, muscle like, stuff, Whoa. and the girls are like Whoa, proper objectifying him. <laughs> well, um, one of them is, I think. Like, I think the one on the left. Is oh the no, they, no, no, they're head. both into him because no, by, by the end they're like... both on his arms. At the end. They go off with him what, to have a threesome. Really? <laughs> There's so much we've already forgotten. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, at first, it seems like it's just the blonde one who's cooing over him. But by the end, they're both all over him. Um, so maybe, maybe, maybe she's in it for the blonde, though. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Because, yeah, well, it's know. a whole other dimension. So there was other dis- Christian film, isn't it? No, that's well, there was other discoveries about homosexuality. So you, you never know. Well, no, that's maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. ambiguous. Um, so they, they play some like riddle games, don't they? Like uh, mind benders that the. Smart yeah, they, well, they do a weird thing. They turn the lights off at one point, don't they? And they, because I couldn't work out if they the lights got actually turned off or they turned them off. Yeah, because they, they seem to still have power because they were chatting to. Because a guy then it the comes thing. back up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they also have a guy in the lift who's like a very posh, clinical, OCD kind of yeah. guy. Uh, he's meant to be introducing an art exhibition in town later on. Yeah, that yeah. yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, we also have another guy who's uh, wearing an Einstein t-shirt. Who, who gets called great. Einstein at one point in case yeah, you didn't of course, connect the dots. Of course. Uh, he's very kind of science and knowledge based. And um, yeah, they don't really, like I say, it doesn't really have a drawing. All of the others 
sort of have a driving <clears throat> main line story, don't they? Yeah. In what you know, what however thin that is. Yeah, like even Whereas though they're even though they're stuck, about, even though they're stuck, they're still doing something with their time. Whereas this one literally is, we are just stuck and we can't do anything. And we're kind of mucking about. Like first, they're kind of cooing over the muscly guy, but also kind of you know going, oh look at that British guy, he's weird. And then as they go on, they he, sort he of play. Stick, he sticks a few tins of mints in his shoes. Yeah, that I mean, unexplained. That's very weird. But also, like, there's, t- you know, if let's say he is using those lips, which is what his intention was, yeah. like, Altoy tins would cave in on you. With, <laughs> with your, with and also, I was like, I couldn't quite work well, out. Why are you doing it? Because he's not trying he's to get trying, him anywhere. Yeah, and, and he was swapping it from shoe to shoe. No, no, he had two. Oh, he did have two. He didn't okay. write first. See, I thought for it was a thing of he had one leg shorter than the other and he was having, it was like, oh, I love your ring so Yeah, he was, he was just trying to make himself taller for some reason. Okay. And it never, well, he was, he, he was seemed, wasn't short. Like, well, yeah. he seemed to be trying to crack on to the girls because. But he when, never really seemed um, interested in them. Yeah, and he was turning his nose up at them as well. But when they go off with the uh, muscly hunk at the end, uh, he he's seems, like, "Damn, he's I didn't make quite, myself tall." He's quite, quite, <laughs> he's just quite sad. If they had one um, mint packet, and you know they kind of they can't bicker over a few things, have a few philosophical yeah. debates, and at the end, he this does one, yeah, his it, art exhibition. Talks. It, yeah, it culminates in the art guy kind of giving the tour and the speech he would have given had he made it into town with them pretending to look at art as he explains and describes. But it's weird because he sort of. I'm like, does he... Because at one point he turns around on this, like, brick wall and he says, oh, this kind of big and this big. And he is actually looking at, like, a brick wall. I think that's just coincidence because that's what that... Because, yeah, because the the way he talks about it, he says it's this big, which is bigger than a lift. So I was like... That, that's just a bit has, where has he adapted it to the lift or is it just no, so happened no, that the lift has brick walls he's describing that's just the piece where the script just goes you know what let's just have him speak a whole bunch of philosophical stuff for people to go hmm and ponder about well, let's, somebody saw Ferris Bueller but then got the wrong thing. yeah like yeah. <laughs> yeah this whole um, bit is just the 80s comedy segment so yeah eventually at the end they get out the uh, the guy with the muscles goes off to have a threesome <clears throat> with the hipster girls. Altoids boy gets left to his own, but... Finds love. Finds love with... Well, I mean, sits on a bench next sit, to Sits on a bench with the one of the orchestra people, and it's just like... And he offers her a mint, and it's like, I don't want some damn stinky feet mints. <laughs> yeah, but then he took it out of his shoe. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah, 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 yeah. And still accepts That's the thing. thing. She's mm. like, she, she looks really like... Mm, yuppie, she's like, sorry, they're a bit stinky. Yeah. So OCD guys, like, like foot mints. It's just like, <laughs> what's that? Oh, God. But, okay. uh, well, so, yeah, that's so that I'm going to say my... The only thing is that I quite enjoyed the two girls in it. Who you like, enjoyed the two girls? Well, just like I think they're the only. They brought a bit of light, didn't they? Basically, well, it, it's like the only thing that had a pulse above like sixty. Mm. Like about this whole film was them too. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They were just like, well, they're the only people kicks. So I was like, okay, I'm like, I don't remember their names, but like, I'm Jamie and I'm Sandy. Like, and she's Sandy. She's kooky and I'm not. And so, I'm like, fucking hell, I need somebody to put some adrenaline into this. Um, and uh, they like. Oh, but they're going they're going to some like you know but um, well, that didn't get followed up they're going to, not not for a clubbing but they're going to like some soup kitchen like uh, fuck fest aren't they <laughs> so, <laughs> well they're going to a fuck fest by well, the end Santa hunk you know let's say the poor the poor you know I don't know what the hell do they expect to get from like that like 
altruistic suitcase because they're basically dressing up to the night yeah because they're going to pull some men well the brunette who are says hot, the brunette like, says poor. the random uh, the reason I've got loads of makeup on is because to make money I've been doing like uh, clinical medical tests like makeup tests no, Did you miss no, that? no, no. She said that, but that wasn't why she was makeup. She's dressed up for the party. She's just okay. like she's saying, "I'm puffy." See, I took that at face value. <laughs> but she's not puffy at all. Like, let's just say, no, she's definitely, not definitely not like, puffy. Yeah, it's just like, oh, poor well, I reckon she could have meant to have been supposed to be puffy, but the makeup budget didn't stretch. No, I think that's what more it is because it yeah. would be funny if she actually did have like a swollen cheek. <laughs> yeah, and um, that would be more amusing the whole time. But it well, wasn't. Um, yeah, like yeah. I. What the hell they were getting into out there? Like, I don't get it, but they, they basically sat that off. What, what like, building was that lift in? Was it like a, a department store or something? Like, what was it? Yeah, that was another thing in terms of working out which... Because the uh, other buildings were like hospital, apartment block, skyscraper, and this was like... Uh, I mean, Yorkshire people were presumably in a lift in a, in a theatre somewhere yeah. or something like that. But yeah, you, should we get on to the orchestra guys? Okay, orchestra, yeah, right? orchestra is... So um, seven people... Yes, which includes David Bamba, um, as I say, and also Cheryl Hines. Uh, and, yeah, they are orchestra kind of troupe that are trapped are they in this... two that, like, yeah, later on? Or like, or yeah, they get it on. Yeah, 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 unrequited love. And, yeah, um, does he propose and she says no, yes? No, 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 she's like, I, no, I've always, like, wanted to say, you know, say this. And, uh, okay. I knew you had a thing for me. <laughs> yeah. That's very good, Cheryl So people start getting, you know, a bit tense in this one. And then for no reason at all, Cheryl Hines pulls the fucking gun out and fires it into the fucking oh, ceiling. Oh, nothing white people can do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She should have been blown away at the end, but she's just like, she's like, never mind coppers. I'm well, yeah, she just her. randomly suddenly shoots. <clears throat> they, they all start fighting and she randomly shoots a gun off into the air. Oh, and then at the end, she just... Yeah, which is okay, never she, really brought up. But then she fires it again at the end, like, you yeah. know, which definitely would hit the cable. Uh, when they... they the <laughs> at, the, at, at the end, they've just been saved. But because she gets together with David Bamba, she kisses him mm-hmm. and she shoots off into the air like, yeah! And like, you would think like, yeah, she's literally going to like destroy the lift again. Like, you know, like, I've already tried before the things Nick Magnelli seemed. <laughs> It'd be funny if they got trapped again, like as a result. That, um, oh, you mean the joke in this film? No, 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 it's not like that. <laughs> and yeah, so, like, well, you're getting ahead of the script, okay? Well, that like, was the post-post credits with the tuba guy waking up. He's still sleeping. He's yeah, still. Sleeping. I thought he was gonna fight again. <laughs> Two post-credit scenes. Are Two post-credit scenes. You sounded an accident. That's like. <laughs> Like, we hire us a tuba. We, we're putting some, putting a band together. <laughs> <laughs> Just Sam Jackson walks out. It's called the Christmas Initiative. It's like, called people who are stuck in lifts together. Yeah. Oh. But this did have. I mean, this is how low the bar was. This this one did have a joke that made me laugh. When everyone's there's a bit where everyone starts being honest and they start confessing their deepest secrets. So one just goes, "I'm the one who farted." <laughs> and I was like, "Very good." The fart joke got you. The fart joke got me. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um, so yeah, I was like, she didn't Juilliard, but like, don't. And she's like, I'm gonna tell them. I was like, don't tell them. <laughs> like, your life will be over. Yeah, it's like you ain't coming back to this orchestra. Cheryl the Hines. problem when I see Cheryl Hines is that I want Larry to be there. Uh, so we should explain for the audience. Cheryl Hines, probably most famous, I would say, for playing uh, Larry David's wife in Curb Your Enthusiasm. Do you respect? Would but yeah, like I say, we've also got David Bamba. Um, very I keep, well. I keep thinking of David Harbour when you say that. Like, just uh, no, 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 no. Very well respected Shakespearean actor, and um, yeah, I mean, I I do really like David Bamba a lot. 
if you look up his IMDb, it's been tons and tons of stuff. The thing I remember most <clears> for <throat> is that he was the lead in Chalk, a BBC sitcom about teachers created by Stephen Moffat. Okay, uh, is this like in response to Channel 4's exceptional teachers? Uh, no, this <laughs> like, is pre-teachers. You're kidding me, they pre-teachers, like, pre-teachers. syllabus. Um, <laughs> created by Stephen Moffat, who went on to be showrunner of Doctor oh. Sherlock, Dracula. I know, he's and, Moffat, um, so he known to me. Yeah, he, uh, so he plays the kind of, I think he's like the deputy head of this shitty, like, comprehensive... Mr. McGill. I noticed a couple of broken windows on the ground floor. Punish a pupil, will you? Uh, which one? Uh, well, I don't know. Just pick on any boy with an earring. You're a teacher, for God's sake! What do you want? Mr. Slam threw me out of class, sir, for talking. But did he give you any work? No, sir. No, of course he didn't. Which class? Religious education. Fine. Sit there and make a plasticine model of God. <laughs> and you better get it right. Uh, he's really funny in it. I don't know where the fuck you can watch this. Or if like Brickbox. Brickbox. Like, like, yeah, that's a new thing that will have everything. If it was British and been made. It's, it'll, be on, it, yeah. it'll be on it. I saw someone online yeah. say Brickbox looks like the online streaming equivalent of the DVD shelf at a charity shop. And <laughs> <laughs> the online streaming equivalent of Brexit. You know, saying that, I think Brickbox will have lots of things that I love on it. Okay, it's gonna have all classic Doctor Who. Yeah, but you just had them in your flat, so it's yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I don't need to worry. But um, you know, I think yeah. So I'm I'm well behind Brickbox, and yeah, if Chalk is on there, go check out the first series, not the second. It went downhill. Okay, but I just say that that oh, she's saying much is full of bum notes. It just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really really tonally strange. You don't get a sense of really any of the other characters. It's like very ocky about it. Yeah. <laughs> And they should have all been gunned down by the cops at the end. <laughs> Shall we move on to the final segment? Well, the reason we're all here, or should we say, like, other than you, Liam, because you picked this, <laughs> and I'll never forgive you for it. <laughs> you dragged us into it. Uh, I yes. suppose I did make you watch motion picture twice. <laughs> exactly. But there's no, no words worth this. Uh, this <laughs> is Patrick Stewart as Alan Sugar. Uh, in the other sequence that was clearly filmed, Farley, which was pretty much a one-man show for Peace Shoe, uh, where he plays this kind of you know, angry billionaire, uh, British Cockney uh, billionaire, at the top of a skyscraper who gets caught in the uh, lift going down. He's yeah. still in construction. So he's um, literally outside the building. Yeah, he's and like an outside the building. Breaks, and then he falls out and, yeah. Yeah, and so this is the one that's the, got the most fr- uh, frills and spills in it, isn't it? Because it's, uh, <laughs> so, yeah. It, because, you know, the, it's, it's a lot more dangerous, this lift, you feel. Yeah, uh, but, like, but he only, he's only the architect of his own demise. Like, basically, the two like big incidents come about him kicking things, doesn't it? He uh, kicks the, the safety bar. He's like, what do you think was going to happen? Well, at one point, it cuts to him, like, screaming, like, uh, shaking the side of the lift angrily. And I was kind of like, you know, we all feel like this, Patrick, watching the film. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's fine. Um, but, right, okay, this is where I'm going to disagree with you. Okay. Uh, saying about, like, you know, the Gary Cole segment, uh-huh. the only one that says something or has any emotion. I would say, I say Patrick Stewart is so fucking good an actor that he sells the moments of emotion in this segment for me. Like, so there's a moment where he phones his son, he leaves an answer phone message, uh, presumably Napoleon Dynamite, 
and he kind of you know does this big speech to him about how basically he's he's rich but it doesn't matter because he's, actually, he's saying you always was rich back in the day when yeah. it's just and now I've just got things I've just got stuff he has that amazing yeah. line all this other stuff it's nothing yeah exactly <laughs> and I, I think he's great yeah, like, I think he really puts his heart and soul into I it. Know. And I, I, I was moved. I was moved. Despite, despite the shoddiness I just, of the script, I think he's... I'm, me- I'm meeting you halfway, though. I just couldn't get over the fact that this is the, the weird you know, contradiction in this film. That they have this space for an A-lister, but because they're not sure if they can get him, they have to keep all the scenes separate in case they can't. And therefore, your main draw is left with no one to act against. And he's just so crippled by the fact that he just has to talk to himself. And this whole big emotional speech coming when he has this realisation. He has a realisation off screen. His moment of change happens in between Yes, this scenes. is the worst thing in the So shot. it cuts back to him and he's just suddenly having a Scrooge moment. And he's just having this open confession to no one. So all the stuff he's saying is sort of emotional and he does deliver it well. But it's landing nowhere because it's like, who are you talking to? It's not a case of like, you know, psyching yourself up in the bathroom or like, you know, the normal places you say stuff. He's literally just sat there openly speaking to himself. Doesn't make any sense. And therefore everything he said just went right down the fucking toilet. Oh, I completely miss he's even on the phone. Like, <laughs> yeah, even then he's not selling it. And like you say, and then by the end when he's, you know, safe and back in the limo, he's back to being a cunt again. So, yeah, I mean, that is a problem. The fact yeah. that he, at the end, randomly seems to have forgotten his redemption in terms of his redemption that he made from himself from nothing and we didn't even see it he seems to be back to his normal self yeah it's just, which it's just is, very weird which is odd because yeah no I do agree with that um but like I say for me I mean he's probably you know he's probably my favourite thing about it he's probably my favourite segment in the film um just because I think Pichu is just you know great performer and I think actually having him as a one man show is the best way to utilise him I don't know I think, I think you take him in this as this character drop him into any of the other lifts and it makes any of them instantly better because he will he will clash with all those people yeah. in a number of ways and actually have stuff to do yeah. stick someone else on their own not him I don't yeah. know. I think he can do a good, but he could do, yeah. but he could yeah. do a one-man show. I think he can, yeah. but this just isn't written it's enough material for him. No, exactly, Matt. I think the thing is, he like it. Just you know, you're watching it. You can see right through it. You can see it's a budgetary thing. It's like they couldn't get him, so they, you know, until the last minute. You can just just watching it. You don't even need to know the backstory. It's like oh, it's just a money thing. It's why he's on his own, mm. and like a scheduling problem because he only got like two days probably to shoot this thing. And just like, it's, it's such a yeah. cop-out, a lame cop-out. can't like, buy anything he's... No, expressing. because you've, not, you've never seen him interact with anybody else. No. Like, before, always on the phone, like, it's all just like some of the AVR'd in afterwards, so it's just not good. Like, and, like, and I, I think, even, yeah, I think even compared to the other segments, there's, there's, there's less time to really? come back to him. See, like, I think you're right in terms of he definitely has less on-screen time than the other segments, 100%. Like, all his scenes, it films like he was filmed in a day. Like, or something like that, like, you know, on his own. And like you say, possibly even, like, at his house or whatever, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, or just in a green screen studio for a day, and they they blasted out all his scenes. Um, because, but like I say, I just, I feel I just like seeing PSG on screen. I just think he sells it for me. Well, who doesn't? But I'm just, I just feel like this is just sad that, like, I mean, like, how much money does he need? Like, 
Again, it's a bit like... A lot! Or did it for free? I don't understand. I don't understand why somebody would sully their resume with something like this. I mean, I don't think... I don't get the impression that Stuart is a massive, like, uh, massively religious guy. No, yes, why does he do it? It's not like he's he's helping out a... A Like a debut filmmaker coming up by appearing in this thing. It's a faith film. It's not making it for that. So it's for money. Anyone, anyone who does one of these films who isn't highly religious is is doing it for the money. At the end of yeah. the day, and you know they will have spent, they would have blown the budget on on those stars' paychecks yeah. because they didn't pay and spend it on any of the. Because if you actually look at the, um, if you actually look at the production, I mean the production itself must have been incredibly cheap because you basically just got. All these elevators. Seven sets. Which are very, very minimalist, kind of small little sets. Well, we spent all the money on just a van flying over, like, upside down. Yeah, everyone else is green screen. I mean, the van actually fired, that is CG, blatantly. Like, going, like, you know, so all that stuff is very much, like, they haven't spent a great deal of money on Didn't the actual production. Um, so, <laughs> you know, it's, it's all, they've spent the money on the actors, 100%. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but the whole thing of that van being electrifying, being a conduit for stuff—is that just magical realism, or is that? Yeah, so I, I was going to say in terms of the wraparound of the film, so this isn't one of the uh, elevator segments. Is obviously the the van driver who causes all of the mm. elevators to stop. First place, we do keep cutting back to him in the van on his own. He has to kind of stay there because. He's somehow holding all the elevators in place, basically. Yeah, his van's electrifying. Yes, he's really conductor. But that is not how elevators work. Like, yeah, I don't. I, I was like, surely, I, when they were explaining the sciences, I was like, uh, like I think any gaps in logic here is just like, yeah, it would have been better. Like Dennis Hopper, like had his bombs on the emergency <laughs> brake, would have been so much better. Turn this into a thriller, yeah. Um, and yeah, the whole thing is he's searching for his Guadalupe and uh, at the end he ends up getting set on fire. I was like, what's going to happen here? Is he actually going to die? Like, uh, literally just collapse and burn to death because he's proper on fire. Yeah. But she um, actually hugged him like a second later after he been put out. <laughs> and also, there's snow everywhere. Like, stop <laughs> dropping roll, man. Stop, stop dropping roll. But he just can't wait. So well, he just runs him out, doesn't he? Like, well, and this guy has to hose him down and then the ho- even the spray of water is like added in later. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can't um, water on this set. <laughs> you want to run this hose? Forget it. So, Christmas Eve, what a film. Genuinely um, uh, the worst film I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, all right. Let's move through to... So we all have letterbox accounts. Oh, yeah. Where we will rate this film. And you say you have Speaking of letterbox, got, got some reviews here from some okay. people. Cool. Someone says, I think this is a movie about people trapped in an elevator finding God. But I was too distracted by James Rohde practically assaulting a girl trapped in with him. I should mention James Rohde, the pervy creepo photographer, um, also <clears> starred <throat> in another film we've covered on Spotlight <laughs> the Movies, Showtime, uh, where he was one of the camera the where he was one of the camera ops <laughs> on that uh, film. So he has kind of like a career of being like a pervy camera guy, basically. Uh, someone else says, someone owes me $6.99. Uh, actually being stuck in an elevator for 90 minutes would be more entertaining bar humbug I should say that this is available for 99p to rent on iTunes store and then another one star review has some pretty uh, accurate takedowns of some of the themes in here so it says well in the list of bullet points John Heater's most entertaining and best role is still Napoleon Dynamite 
Treating a lifelong asshole badly for an entire night is all it takes to turn him into a better person. If you're terminally ill, feel free to force your religion on other people. Not only is it, is it acceptable, it's encouraged, as long as you're white and Christian. Uh, only an expensive-looking camera gives you complete permission to be a creeper towards women. And there's no repercussions discharging a firearm in the city after the police notice that you're white upper class. That's about all I got out of this movie. <laughs> Paul, what is your rating? Zero stars. Zero stars. So you're, you're it's not, the rare zero. No rating. No rating. This is the, the only. Uh, yeah. No. This is the only film I've found that for. No, the oh, worst yeah. film you've ever seen. I can't think of a worse film right now. <laughs> <laughs> no redeeming features. It's terrible. <laughs> so okay. So we're going from worst film you've ever seen, Paul Wilson. Right. Sorry. I feel like it's I'm doing the equivalent of like what I would be saying like that's the best one I've ever seen every time I saw a film well, uh, but this is just I just who oh says that oh, just everybody who's seven oh right okay yeah, like, you know, what, yes, is it, yeah. what is it that Donna said about straw dogs yeah like, no it wasn't Donna it was, Donna. Da- it was David Livingston so yeah. Matt is it referring sick. it's sick that's it. Matt is referring to when we interviewed David <laughs> Livingston um, the most prolific Star Trek uh, director of all time directed more episodes of Star Trek than any other person ever in history to bring it all back to Star Trek and we mentioned that uh, Straw Dogs uh, was one of my favourite films to which David responded it's sick he's <laughs> disgusted yeah. by it well that is true of the you know, the remake but, uh, yes, yeah, but the original true. is a masterpiece yeah. so. fantastic sorry David yeah. um, so we'll move on to me then um, so my rating is going to be, we do do half stars here, is going to be half a star. Half a star? Half a star. That's a big in somewhere. Charity begins at home. I will agree uh, that it is undoubtedly one of the worst films I've ever seen. <laughs> However, um, I first watched, the, the reason I became aware of this is because last Christmas it was on Netflix. And I saw it because obviously we were in a new spot like then. I was like, oh, wow, Christmas film starring uh, Patrick Shook, front and centre on the poster. I'll, I'll have a little look at that. Uh, looked into it, saw that it had 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, one of the few 0 percenters on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. And thought, oh, no. Uh, but I was very, very tired around Christmas. Uh, I think I felt a bit under the weather. I tucked myself up into bed uh, after kind of going home sick from work, I think. And <laughs> literally, I put Christmas Eve on the TV on Netflix. And I kind of, you know, curled in bed like, you know, it's cold, it's, it's wintry outside. I kind of wrapped the duvet around myself. I was like, felt really snug as a bug in bed. I put Christmas Eve on. I started watching it. I thought, oh, wow, the killer's fantastic. <laughs> and, you know, it went on and uh, I gradually fell asleep to it. Oh. And you know what? As a film to fall asleep to, it's nothing better. Like, yeah, in terms of, like, it's, it's, it's great because you go, like, you're watching it and you're like, half asleep, kind of droning in and out. And you go, oh, this is clearly fucking rubbish. But then you feel completely fine. With drifting in and out because you like it doesn't matter. Yeah. There's no there's no guilt no, involved. There is guilt. Yeah. You have not have to apologise to me, <laughs> but to my wife, who I made watch it with me. Oh no! What you did, 
like Sophie watched it with you. Yeah, she was like, I, we were watching Christmas films. She, we watched Christmas Chronicles. Like, I was stressed by the way that this was going to be bad. I said like, oh, this would be. Like, I, I missed that. Must have missed that memo. Spotlight headquarters. Um, but you know, so she watched it and she goes, "This is terrible." But then I felt the need to make amends, so we watched the apartment later on. Very good. Beautiful. Five stars. Beautiful. Five, four, five stars. Perfect score for Paul. And uh, and she said just uh, midway through, like, this is a pretty good film, isn't it? Thank God. <laughs> Next time, let's do this first. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah it's, it's beautiful. And uh, apartment not to be covered on SWAT like the movies, so <laughs> no Star Trek connections, unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately. But there's something else you could do at your time, which would be Yes. So watch the apartment instead of Christmas Eve. Uh, I mean, I ju- it's one of those things where, you know, I Cannot in my right mind <laughs> recommend this uh, to it's anyone who doesn't should go have a warning. A Star Trek podcast. However, I should say that TrekMovie.com, a uh, very prominent uh, chat website, um, gave this three out of four <laughs> lights <laughs> on their um, review. Uh, I can't remember what they said about it or who reviewed it. I have to look it up. Um, but yeah, they they were loving it. Yeah. So there you go. I just want to say, so never, Patrick Stewart. Never, never seen a film before. Like, <laughs> I mean, they may have been under Cardassian torture. Yeah. <laughs> to say this, but yeah, no, it is one of the worst films I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. That's what it is. But I, I wouldn't be able to get no sub because there is a. There is a small vein of enjoyment to be had in the right situation yeah. and right viewing it's 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 nearly so bad it's good I mean it's not quite there yeah I agree it's very it's nearly brain, yeah. just because there are so many loose threads it's so bizarre um, I give it one star I mean it's terrible 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 but wait um, you're not going to even go half star no I'm, I say that half star because we're going up because I'm sure that out of all the faith-based movies that are out there, there are worse ones made. Oh, yeah, yeah, undoubtedly. So that's undoubtedly. probably where that... I'm sure Mitch Davis has probably made worse ones. Yeah, but I mean, you know, that still doesn't amend for the time of my life it stole. But, yeah, one star. <laughs> one star, wow. Okay, so we've, got, we've gone bit, up. I think, I think if anything, because it's a conversation starter when people have seen it, there's a lot of craziness in these six stories where you can like chat it. about as we have done yeah it's at least it wasn't like you know what there's nothing to say yeah this was really fun to kind of cover this and you know the, the thing is as i say star trek look make a fucking christmas special already i mean you know the moment right cbs all access they're fucking churning out the track content mm. got next year yeah, got a card looks like a set in summer though which is annoying set in summer well like because it's the vineyard scenes that they're oh like, yeah, yes so yeah, like, yeah. Like the card. so next year we've got Picard we've got Discovery Season 3 Star Trek 4 we've got Lower Decks oh right yeah won't have Star Trek 4 next year it's not going to be that quick a turnaround but you know that's at least three Star Trek series next year in one year three chances to atone and, you know, for this. and I think CBS All Access they now have their own streaming service they put out the short tracks I mean you could at least have a Christmas short track couldn't yeah. you I, at least if you're gonna go look we can't go to a full on Christmas special could at least have a short track so if also, they suddenly drop one later this month we'll have to reconvene for a special bonus like this isn't it also loads and loads of um Trekkies and stuff often bang on about how they just subscribe to CBS All Access while the Star Trek stuff is on, which I think is why they're meant to be doing so many Star Trek series now. So they've got Star Trek all the year round, so you basically can't get away. You have to, <laughs> you have to be there for the yeah. whole year. 
And I think CBS All Access would, you know, they'd be doing a, a clever thing if they made a one-off Christmas special for Star Trek. Because it then for Star Wars. Because then they go like, <laughs> yeah, if they got if they got the Discovery in January or Picard in January, well, and then they're worried about people aren't going to be signed. They they can force them to sign up for Christmas Day alone. With the Star Trek holiday special. The Star yeah, yeah. Trek Christmas special. It's a very merry Christmas. And yeah, I mean, it would be glorious, <laughs> wouldn't it? It would be absolutely amazing. Star Trek Christmas special. Could that be something all Trekkies can watch every year? Yeah. You know. Oh God, God! Come on, CBS All Access. You know you want to do it. Um, so hopefully next year we'll have a Star Trek Christmas special to talk about. But I mean, I you know I've had a ball. Uh, maybe because I've just been drinking quite a lot of pork uh, <laughs> throughout this recording. Um, but yeah, it, Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Uh, Merry Christmas for Spotlight Towers. Uh, happy New. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to all, so no New Year episodes of Star Trek either, probably. Oh yeah, the uh, that January one I mentioned. Oh, is that New Year? Yeah, it's oh, Millennium. Yeah. Okay, well, there you go. Next week we'll be back <laughs> with the Millennium episode of Voyager <laughs> for our New Year special. Uh, until then, it's goodbye from me, Liam Dempsey. Back me back. Goodbye from me, Paul. We are living.